On the Virtual Bible Stage tonight, we're going to talk about worldviews. Worldviews. You know, I keep hearing this terminology used more and more and more about different worldviews, a Bible worldview versus various other worldviews. We sort of want to define that, what that is, and then talk about some different worldviews and the implications that that has, those, those views have on our daily living. It's a Bible study with a view tonight. Yeah, a worldview. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 10th, 2021. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Kyle is behind the controls. Kyle, glad that you're here. It's good to be here. And glad that you're listening. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com, or if you're listening to us in the uh, on the live feed tonight, to the bottom of your video feed, there is a chat window where you can sign in. Lots of people in the chat room tonight, uh, all over, going from Minnesota to Florida um, to, well, we're up in Middle Tennessee a lot, too. We haven't got our, and we've got out in Iowa. We haven't gotten Brian there. Maybe we haven't Brian, gotten California we yet. We haven't gotten California signing in yet, but if you're out there, sign in. Maybe send us a message, let us know where you're listening from tonight. All right. So our topic tonight is world views. And as I mentioned in the update, I said we're often asked the question, what is your world view? I actually think that that's sort of a confusing question because the terminology is not well defined. Uh, In fact, our very first question that we sent out to our update list today is, what is a world view? And if you do a little bit of reading, just put in a Google search, what is a worldview, you're going to get a bunch of different answers. I think we can sort of generalize that. We'll try to answer that question. What is a worldview? That was the first of questions we sent out to our update list earlier today. Uh, If you're not on our update list, get on it. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to the list, and we will. So, The questions we sent out for discussion were these. Number one, what is a worldview? Number two, give a brief explanation of these worldviews. Here's some. This is not all. Deism, naturalism, nihilism, existentialism, existentialism. I can't really say that word. Pantheism and monotheism. And that's not all, but we're going to talk about some of those. So, there's all those different worldviews, and then I think there is the right way to view things, and that's the biblical, or what people are referring to now as the biblical worldview. And with that biblical worldview, we get answers to questions like, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Which I believe are probably the most basic or essential questions of life and, and, and our human existence. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And then what I thought we'd do at the end of the program is sort of take a, a practical look at how these worldviews would, would influence our decisions about something like modesty and the clothes we wear or marriage fidelity or honesty and truth-telling or obeying civil law. Okay. So we'll see how, you know, th- this is not ju- my point in that. The way I, the reason I constructed it that way is, I think this is not just a philosophical question. Okay, what is your worldview? It's it's if we understand what that means, what a worldview is, we're going to see that it affects how we live our day to day lives. Okay, we want to hear from you again. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com. So a worldview, what is a worldview? Well, again, I think that you can find a lot of different answers, a lot of different definitions. That, to me, that's was that's a little bit of a frustration. 
because so much emphasis, uh, it seems these days, especially by secular denominational writers, are talking about worldviews, your worldview. What's your worldview? But it, I don't think they've done a good job of defining that to us uh, that they're trying to influence. But basically speaking, a worldview is your is your understanding about human existence. Uh, it, it's 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 how it, it's the things that you factor into your decisions about where did I come from and why am I here and where am I going. Uh, so it's it's basically how you view your human existence. Uh, I, I, uh, that's my that's my attempt to try to define it. I don't know how good that is. Let's look at our listeners. Uh, Kent from Calhoun, Georgia said, a worldview is a basic foundation upon which our faith and practices of life are based. Okay, I think that's right. So it's the foundational understandings or foundational concepts that you have that you base your life's practices upon. I think that's good. Thank you, Kent. Grant said, a worldview uh, is the fundamental cognitive orientation of an individual or society encompassing the whole of the individual's or society's knowledge and point of view. A worldview can include natural philosophy, fundamental, existential, and normative postulates or themes, values, emotions, and ethics. Another definition Grant has here is a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. I think that's right. Okay. And then Dwight and Michelle had to uh, collaborate, they say, with uh, a friend of theirs named Google. Um, and, I've heard of him. Uh, yeah. It, uh, they say that uh, worldview is a belief in the existence of a supreme being, specifically of a creator who does not intervene in the universe. That is one worldview. Now, that's not that's not the totality of worldviews. That That is a specific worldview that we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, but that's that's not that doesn't cover all the possible worldviews that are out there. So I think Dwight's hit upon a specific one, but not the not the general concept. And I really do. Think, I think Grant's done a good job with that when when he says it is the fundamental cognitive or thinking or orientation of an individual or society encompassing the whole of that individual or society's knowledge and point of view. I think that's I think that catches it, uh, but again, it's, it seems a little fuzzy to me. It just seems a little vague. I've never really. I, I think the problem is I've never really thought of it in that way. You know, I, I've never sat down and said, "Hmm, what is my worldview? How do I? What's my philosophical take on my life and human existence?" And yeah, you know, it just seems like it's sort of out there. I mean, to me, I, I guess I'm too simple. I just look at it as what does the Bible say, and what should I do? <laughs> All right, so this is not your your normal campfire discussion, huh? Yeah, yeah. It seems more philosophical than I think I am about things. <laughs> okay, Eric said, get, uh, God said, uh, Eric's in the chat room. He said, God said our individual and collective worldview, but man has messed it up. Ecclesiastes yeah. 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. I think that's right on, Eric. I think that's exactly right. Uh God tells us how we should view things, and as Eric said, men have messed it up. Yeah. It's, it's really, I guess that's a lot of my problem is I take this as being a simple thing to understand. You know, how should you view life and how you live life? You view it like God told you to in the Bible, but then all this other philosophical mess has, has been generated. All right. All right, so let's talk about some of those different worldviews that are out there. Uh, and, and again, I think maybe some sometime some of our listeners might have had to do a little bit of dictionary searching or Google searching to find out. The first one that I had listed, and these are not all. I've got six listed here, but these are not all of them. The first of them is deism. Uh, so the the idea of deism is that there was or is uh, a supreme being of some sort, but that basically uh, this intelligent creator set up the world to operate on its own without divine intervention. Uh, Some of the champions of this were John Locke, Voltaire. Uh, It's said that 
Sir Isaac Newton's laws of physics sort of prom- uh, led people to think more this way. Some have some have referred to it as the idea of the the, the, the supreme creator winding up the clock, setting it in motion, and then backing away and just letting it run on its own without intervention. That's the idea of deism. Okay. Here's what Kit said about that. The particular word, world, this particular worldview has a broad application of thought, however, may be summarized in several points. Number one, that God exists as the orig- originating cause, but is not imminent, non-triune, not necessarily personal, and not sovereign over human affairs, thus non-providential. Number two, that God has no interest in the universe that was created, that miracles were an impossibility. Number three, that humanity has been constitu- constituted as personal and conscious creation of God, but have no real relation to him. Number four, that humanity either may or may not have life after our physical existence. Number five, that though human reason, or that through human reason, one may know something about God. However, such knowledge is limited to that of observation of nature or science, not through either history or special revelation. And number six, that if ethics is limited to general revelation, not specific revelation. Okay. I think that's really good. That's thorough. Yeah. That's a thorough job. Here's what Grant says. Deism is the philosophical position that rejects revelation as a source of religious knowledge and asserts that reason and observation of the natural world are sufficient to establish the existence of a supreme being or creator of the universe. Belief in the existence of a supreme being, specifically of a creator who does not intervene in the universe. The term is used chiefly of an intellectual movement of the 17th and 18th centuries that accepted the existence of a creator on the basis of reason, but rejected belief in a supernatural deity who interacts with humankind. I think that last part's really good. It, so these 17th and 18th century thinkers understood, I think rightfully understood, that just by looking at, at the physical universe, there must be some force that caused it. Romans 1 would say that. Yeah. But they they reject the idea that that supreme being has revealed himself to us. He, he th- there must be such a power. Just common sense says there must have been something that caused the universe that we see. But they reject the 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 notion that that supreme creator interacted with us and told us about himself and told us what he wanted to do. He he created the universe and just set it off on the shelf and lets it run like a time like a like a, a, a clock. Okay, uh, you know it's interesting that uh, it, you know in in the United States of America we we sort of have this sense that our founding fathers were men of faith. You know that that they were Christians in faith and practice. Actually, some of the most notable of the founding fathers were deists. Thomas Jefferson was a deist. Benjamin Franklin was a deist. And so while they accept the idea of a supreme being, a creator, they did not accept the fact that he had revealed himself. And you think about that, that that therefore means that they do not believe that the Bible is a supernatural revelation to mankind. Right. Right. All right. So that's a worldview. See, that's a worldview. Because if you have that worldview, you're not confined by the rules of a, of the supreme creator because he didn't give any rules. There are implications of that. That's what yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're saying here. Dwight and Michelle uh, summarize it this way. Belief in the existence of a supreme being, specifically of a creator who does not intervene in the universe. Good summary. Exactly. There. Exactly. All right. Why don't we get a break and we'll get back, uh, look at some more. What's next? The next one is naturalism. Hmm. All natural. All right. Uh, we're back uh, just after this. Stay tuned. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Here's a quick thought. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 1 Corinthians 13.6 Look for good things today. Let love abound in all that you do. Find joy in the truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Think about it. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. 
Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, when we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. It is possible to own too much. A man with one watch knows what time it is. A man with two watches is never quite sure. Two elements of success, aspire and then perspire. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the virtual Bible study tonight, looking at worldviews. And uh, next up on the list is naturalism. All right. So naturalism, as the name probably suggests, is the view, uh, a view that sort of takes God out of the picture uh Again, it was it was commonly believed, even among most scientists through the 18th century, that there was a supreme creator. But then comes along individuals like Charles Darwin. And so Charles Darwin writes The Origin of Species. And Darwin's notion is that given enough time, that eventually life would form on its own. And then life would evolve to higher levels. <coughs> and so this provoked naturalism, which suggests that the world can be best understood just by observing natural processes. And so there aren't any divine laws in force. It's just the laws of nature. You know? And the laws of nature, by the way, are specifically uh, uh, natural selection by means of survival of the fittest. And so, you know, the, the, the naturalist views world, the world just as having evolved and that it's here, uh, again, without the influence of a creator or a supreme being. Actually, it takes him out of the picture totally. Deism, as we said, believes that he's there, but he hadn't revealed himself. Naturalism pretty much takes him out of the picture altogether. We just live in a natural world. It's just, it's just, we're just here. All right. Share your comments in the chat room. I see Roger out there in the chat room. I haven't seen him in a while. Glad that you're here, Roger. Uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, Kent says, uh, naturalism, the prime rea- that prime reality is physical matter which exists eternally. Naturalists are atheists and deny the existence of God. That the human personality is nothing more than an iteration, uh, iteration, uh, Interrelation. Interrelation. Interrelation of chemical and physical properties. And number four, that physical death is the extinction of the totality of one's being. Number five, that knowledge and human reason is limited to science. And number six, that ethics found its origin in human thought and thus cannot be universally applied. That sounds pretty common. Now, Now, that last one is really important. So, you know, we talk about ethics, what's right, what's wrong. Yep. Well, that was just something we dreamed up. You know, there's no basis for that. It can't be universally applied because what I think is right is not necessarily what you think is right. Therefore, there is no absolute right and wrong. It's all relative. That sounds pretty common in our society today, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, This worship of science and that uh, ethics are just sort of what you think, not something that's universal. Uh, Grant says, in philosophy, naturalism is the idea of belief that only natural laws and forces operate in the universe. Adherents of naturalism assert that natural laws are the only rules that govern the structure and behavior of the natural world and that the changing universe is at every stage a product of these laws. The philosophical belief that everything arises from natural properties and causes and supernatural or spiritual explanations are excluded or discounted. And then Dwight Michelle said the philosophical belief that everything arises from natural properties and causes and supernatural spiritual explanations are excluded or discounted. Right. I think that's right. Uh, that's a, yeah, OK. Good. They, that's good. So so the uh, with naturalism, the idea of a creator, the deist believe in a creator, but naturalists have have kicked the creator out of the picture. Now, uh, in other words, the deist believes that the that there was a creator and that he would have been the first cause of all that we see and know the, the, the naturalist throws out the creator and say, everything is, is just random chance that the only, the only ultimate essence is matter and it's all controlled by nature. Uh, uh, I tell you a fellow that's a a well-known guy, very vocal guy who's now dead, Carl Sagan, 
Carl Sagan described himself as a naturalist. Uh, and, and so his view excluded God. These, as, as I think Kent said, these would by definition then be nat, uh, 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 atheists if they're a naturalist. But it, when you break it down, it doesn't. It's not that much different than the deist uh, in practicality. Um, just the origin of of everything is different for the naturalist versus the deist. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. And I, I suppose with Deus, there'd be different degrees of how much work that the creator did when he wound the universe up and set it in motion. Did he create specific life forms and so forth? That might vary from Deus to Deus. But with a naturalist, it's all evolutionary. But again, we have no natu- we have no special revelation from we whatever know. deity that is. Yeah. And so we wouldn't know. We're sort of in the same spot as the naturalist at that point. Yeah. Uh, there is no, would be no absolute standard. Yeah. All right. Next. The next is kind of interesting. Nihilism. Nihilism says that objective truth and positive values are to be questioned. The word nihilism suggests nothing. It comes from a Latin word for nothing. And it basically holds that all traditional values are baseless, uh, uh, it, it repudiates uh, all previously held notions of morality and spiritual belief. Uh, it, 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 politically, we're told that it favors the destruction of existing traditional social institutions as a way of making means, um, making a way for improvement. Now, listen to that expression. I'm reading this from a from a blog on uh, our daily bread. When brought into politics, nihilism favors the destruction of existing traditional social institutions as a means of making way for improvements. I'm going to tell you, we're hearing a lot about that in political news currently. And I've actually heard some commentators throw out this word nihilism. Nihilism means throw it all out. There's, there's, uh, so it, it comes from the word means nothing. Basically, we got nothing, and we'll just start from scratch. That sounds pretty scary. Here's what Kent says. He says, such is a denial of the possibility of knowledge or anything valuable. The consistent application of this worldview implies the absolute denial of everything. It even denies the reality of the existence of self. According to nihilism, no statement has validity. Nihilism is therefore self-contradictory because it affirms its own properties as being true. Yeah, I like that, Kent, that it's actually... It, the definition of terms shows that it, that that position is self-contradictory. All right. Uh, nihilism is a philosophy or family, Kent, uh, Grant says, of views within philosophy expressing negation towards general aspects of life that are widely accepted within humanity as objectively real, such as knowledge, existence, and the meaning of life. The rejection of all religious moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. Okay, so again, from nothing. The idea is there's nothing. There's nothing. Uh, even, I suppose the nihilist ultimately would even exist that we really uh, even deny that we really even exist. You know, mm. this is all just an illusion. Mm. Uh, so it would. We'll see that 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 would be shared with some other worldviews too. But again, you 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 believe in traditional marriage, I guess. That's dumb. There's no basis for that. Throw that out. Traditional marriage has no basis in, in, in the way we should live life. That's just been something that men invented. Challenge and everything. And you're not, in, you're not required to, to, to live by that. All right. Uh, Grant, uh, Dwight and Michelle said extreme, extreme skepticism, maintaining that nothing in the world has a real existence. Yeah. Especially, right. And especially... No, no rules in the real world has a, a, a purpose for existence. Is that you over there, Kyle, or is that just some type of vision a, I'm seeing here? Just an that's illusion. A, it's a scary way of thinking because a frame of mind because really you just care about whatever's in the moment. It's like Even then you'd be like, well, well this doesn't really matter anyway. So, it doesn't you know, matter. You know, like, it doesn't you know, matter. So Nothing this, matters. That's uh, driving yourself crazy, I think, with that. But I do think that, and, and as I mentioned, we're hearing this word nihilism thrown around by political commentators, because there are strong elements in, in, in our country currently that want to do away with all social institutions and set up a whole new system to their liking. Uh, I think formally they would have been called anarchists 
but now they're called nihilists. Okay. Uh, just throw everything out. Nothing matters. All right. The next one. The next one is existentialism. 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 I'm going to say that right. Existentialism. Uh, existentialism emphasizes that the meaningless the meaninglessness of life and the isolation of the individual. The objective world is absurd and pointless with no overarching purpose. Uh, the existentialist, when he makes personal choices, is said to have authenticated himself. So to the existentialist, he authenticates himself when he makes a decision. He makes personal choices. It makes that important to him. And so uh, the significance is in what he chooses to do, not in what anybody else says that he ought to do. Uh, It's it's all a personal choice. Uh, So what is meaningful to me and my existence may may have no meaning to you. It's totally worthless to you. In other words, my my thinking and observations and practices, my understanding that leads me to my decisions is just a factor of my own existence. And it doesn't have any bearing or relative merit to you. Uh, so it's all just about myself and my choices. All right. Let's see what Kent says about that. The ex- ex- existential world worldview is an extension to that of naturalism and its basic affirmations. While some existentialists do not go as far as naturalism, they do make the following false affirmations. Human existence precedes existence or precedes essence in that individuals exist only in the realm of what is subjective. Number two. Get that. It's all subjective. There's no objective reality or truth. Number two, that humanity... uh, Base, humanity bases its reason on what is subjectively felt. Number three, that objective truth does not exist. Number four, that in complete recognition of subjective truth and in opposition to objectivism, the indivi- authentic individual must revolt and create their own value system, such as is comparable to attempting to put squeezed-out toothpaste back into the tube. It's extremely, it's an extremely nasty venture. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But notice the emphasis on what's on things that you make your decisions based upon how you feel. Subjectivism, not objectivism. So, you know, I, we think that there is objective truth. It's it's there whether anybody accepts it or not. God has revealed truth to us. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Uh, uh, John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, "Sanctify them by thy truth; thy word is truth." Uh, uh, Jesus said in uh, John fourteen verse six, "I I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me." So all through the Bible, there's truth. Existentialism denies objective truth, and it's all everything is based upon what I feel, how I feel about it. I want to tell you that's really prevalent in our world, too. And I think the vast majority of people are making the majority of their decisions on the basis of how they feel. Right. And so they may not know it, but they have they have assumed an existentialist view of life. Yeah, right. Uh, Grant says that existentialism is a philosophy that emphasizes individual existence, freedom and choice. It is the view that humans define their own meaning in life and try to make rational decisions despite existing in an irrational universe. Okay. And Dwight and Michelle said a philosophical, a philosophical theory that, or approach which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent, uh, free, a person as, free and, as, and, as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through acts of the will. All right. All right. Let's let's grab our break, uh, our, our bullet point break, Jacob. When we come back, we want to talk about a couple more of these various worldviews. As we get further into our program, we're going to talk about what seems to be the right way to view things and how all of this has real implications on how we live our daily lives. All right. We're going to have to go fast. This week's bullet point, we're back right after this. 
Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. Christians are often disappointed and discouraged when they fail to convince their unbelieving friends and relatives to accept the truth from the scriptures. They ask questions like, how can they ignore the evidence? And it's so obvious. Why can't they see it? These are good questions. We understand your frustration. We agree. It is not logical for people to ignore the abundance of available proof. But do you recall the occasion when Judas Iscariot brought a band of armed men to arrest Jesus? Peter, thinking to defend the Lord with force, drew out his sword. Each of the gospel writers describe him cutting off the ear of Malchus, a servant of the high priest. Jesus rebuked Peter, and Luke tells us that he proceeded to heal the severed ear. Read that in Luke 22, verse 51. Think about that for a minute. In the presence of this mob of angry conspirators, Jesus worked a miracle. They saw it, yet they proceeded to participate in the events that led to the unjust murder of God's own son. We remind you of this simply to illustrate that prejudiced men have always ignored evidence that contradicts their predetermined positions. If the scribes and Pharisees could see the many miracles of Jesus and still call for his crucifixion, we should not be too surprised when men today reject the plain truths of God's word. But there is another more positive lesson to be learned here about Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, verse 18, No man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. In healing Malchus's ear, Jesus proved his point. By working that miracle, he showed that he, at that moment in time, still had unlimited power to save his own life, but he refused to use it. He voluntarily laid down his life for our sins. What a Savior. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com and collegeu.com. Check out the live stream on on the YouTube, uh, Kyle, at College U Livestream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got, don't forget, yeah. we got two channels. Mm-hmm. College U Livestream, it has our sermons and our Bible classes here at College U. And then, of course, what you're watching right now is the Virtual Bible Study channel. And so two channels, lots of information out there, tremendous amount of information out there if you want to follow those resources. Two channels, one video producing guru yeah kyle's our kyle's our video yep. guy yep he's so good he can do two channels at one time all right you know some people are you know you've heard of people described as having a one-track mind not kyle not kyle he's got a two-track mind he's got it all oh. right what all we right got here? so we're talking about different world views and probably using some terminology that is foreign to most of us we don't think this way we don't talk this way very much but it's kind of interesting to see how, although you may not have defined or used this terminology to define the way people act, we can see that people do act in some of the ways that are, are described by these various philosophical views. Okay. The next one we want to talk about is pantheism. Well, you get, look at that word a minute, theism, theo, theos, God. Yep. Pan means all over. So uh, a pandemic is an epidemic that goes all over the world. Okay. So theos, pantheism, God is everything. God is all. In other words, uh, everything that exists is God. Uh, And anything physical is really just an illusion. And, And so... Uh, this this spirit or God is all that really exists, and therefore you want to merge with God. You want to you want to meld into God. You want to become part of this essence of God. Hinduism and Buddhism are are religions based upon a pantheistic view of life, and that by meditating you can become 
God. You can become a part of this eternal essence, but but there's no there's no reality. There's there's no material world. All this is this is an illusion. You are an illusion in my mind. I'm just making this all up. It, it's it's all just how I'm thinking. It's crazy. Whew. A little dizzy, Kyle. Uh, well, here's what Kent said about it. Pantheism is a worldview that denies that God is the is a divine essence or being. The worldview, this worldview view equates and limits the essence of God to nature and or the forces and laws of the universe. Such a view promotes the worship of everything in nature. In, in nature, because yeah. everything is God. Mm-hmm. Grant says pantheism is the belief that reality is identical with divinity or that all things compose an all-encompassing imminent God, a doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God, worship that it admits or tolerates all gods. All right. And then Dwight and Michelle uh, said... Um, Got it. Uh, that was a cut and paste error there. So okay, all right, we're gonna. We'll, yeah, I got, I got what they said. Did you know? Uh, same, it's the same as existentialism. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. okay. All right, yeah. All, all right. right. So finally, let's get through this in a hurry here. The last one is this one sounds better. Monotheism. Mm. Wait a minute, that sounds pretty good. Theo, theism, theos, God, mono, one, one God. Mm-hmm. Well, that that seems. Like that is right and appropriate because we believe that's what the Bible teaches. Uh, and, and actually, uh, monotheism, I think, is at least heading in the right direction. It's the idea uh, that there is a God. He is separate from physical creation, but he is involved in the process, ongoing processes of physical creation. So one God exists. He's separate from but involved in uh, the the universe. Now, again, that sounds right to us because that's what we read about in the Bible. There are actually three primary world religions that have this view of things, this monotheistic view. Obviously, Christianity does. Judaism does. And also Islam does, mm-hmm. and so those are the three main world religions. If you want to put them, if you want to use a really big umbrella term, those would be the three world religions that believe that there is one God who is separate from, but involved in the processes of the physical universe. That's what Grant, I'm sorry, what Kent and Dwight said. And uh, Grant says monotheism is a belief in one God. A narrower definition of monotheism is a belief. In the existence of only one God that created the world is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Um, so that, there's a good summary. Okay. Of All right. So uh, if, if we haven't just completely muddied up the waters with those six different potential worldviews, deism, naturalism, nihilism, existentialism, pantheism, and monotheism, you, you get the idea that People view things a lot differently. There's a lot of different potential ways that you can look at human existence. Right uh, now, what is the right one? We think the right view of of our existence here on Earth is to be derived from the Bible, and and actually that's what people are referring to as a biblical worldview. Okay, uh, that's that's not. That that's just made up terminology, but if you understand what we mean now by worldview, then a biblical worldview would be that you view things from the perspective taught in the Bible. Exactly. Okay. So that's the way that it should be. And so again, I don't, I'm I'm not real super comfortable with the terminology. I don't talk that way, but I I think I now understand what it means. And I think I can go forward with that. Uh, here's an interesting survey. George Barna, I think a lot of people know about the Barna Research Group. George Barna says that he, by polling, has determined that only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Now, you talk about some a scary statistic. That's really a scary statistic. Only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. My friend Randy out in Colorado sent me the link to this survey. Uh, 
in a biblical worldview, Barna says, I think we can expand this definition, but a biblical worldview believes that the Bible is true, authoritative, uh, and is applicable to every area of life. Uh, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think we could probably expand that definition a little bit. But a biblical worldview is based upon understanding life from the perspective of the Bible. Right. Okay. So uh, with that view in mind, how would that help us with what, you know, philosophically are are the most challenging questions of life? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Where am I going? Right. Uh, well, to us as as Bible believers, those those questions have pretty easy answers. Where did I come from? Well, the eternal God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, we go to Genesis chapter one. We 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 believe that Genesis chapter Genesis chapter one. Not in some kind of allegorical way, but in an actual way, literal way, describes God creating the physical universe. And Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to describe that through six creation days, we believe literal, consecutive, 24-hour days, God created everything that we see and know in the physical universe including us as human beings. Uh, we didn't even, uh, and so he created matter, but he also created life, but he didn't just create life in a very basic way. He created life in, in, in its totality. He created life as we see it today. It didn't evolve to its present state. God created it in its present state. We believe that we're here because of God. Well, Grant goes on from Genesis chapter 1, references verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And chapter 2, verse 7, Grant references, uh, then the Lord God formed uh, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Yeah. And Kent says well, that this worldview would tell us uh, where we came from. Humanity is created by God in his own image. Exactly. So thank you both for that. So, you know, uh, the idea that, that, you know, this, you know, what's kind of interesting is if we accept the Bible worldview, then that question, it seems to be so challenging in the philosophical world, is really easily answered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I came from God. God created me. Well, Eric references Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So Eric says that we have the answers to these questions through the Bible, the revealed he, word of God. He's revealed himself to us. Exactly right. Okay. Exactly right. So I think the, the question about origins is real easy. Where did I come from? I came because God created me. The second question also has a, 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 an easy answer from the Bible. Why am I here? What's my purpose for existence? Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, I have created him, speaking of God creating man, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. God made us. We exist. You know, I think this is the, the real bottom line, if you will. Why am I here? I'm here to bring glory to my creator. I'm here to glorify the one who created me. You know, so uh, if if I'm an inventor and I invent a machine, if the machine works properly, then that makes me look, especially if it's a fairly sophisticated machine, but it goes through all its uh, uh, processes accurately and it does what it's designed to do. You know, someone looking at it said, boy, the guy who created that's a pretty smart guy. He really must have known what he was doing. I mean, look at that thing. Look at it work. That guy, that must have been a brilliant guy who, who invented that machine. Yep. So the machine brings glory to the, to the fellow who invented it. Well, that's, that's on a minute scale. Think, of, think about the universe and all that's in it, including us in the grand. What are we here for? We're we're here to bring glory to the one who created it all. That's our purpose for existence. Uh, 
again, we, uh, this was already pointed out. I think it, uh, Eric pointed it out earlier. But in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's what we're here for. That's why we're here, to keep God's commandments. Yeah, all right. That's exactly right. Um, Kent says, uh, because of our origin coming from God, humanity was created for the purpose of serving him. And Grant says, references Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, where Grant says to be adopted, we're here to be adopted into God's family. The ultimate purpose of the creation is to provide a process for our Heavenly Father to acquire children. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, just as he chose us before him in the foundation, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to the adoption of sons, or as sons, through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So he, this is part of his eternal purpose yeah real quickly because we're up against a break here but let's take this last part according to a bible worldview not only where did i come from why am i here but where am i going uh well hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says it's appointed unto men once die after this the judgment Uh, there's going to be a judgment and in eternity uh job in job 14 verse 14 the question is ask uh, if a man dies, shall he live again? And then in chapter 19, beginning verse 25, it says, And as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Even after my skin is destroyed, I shall see God. And so the Bible tells us there's an existence beyond the grave, that our physical existence is not the end of all time, of all things. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 25, depicted a, a judgment scene. And he said that some will go away in that judgment to everlasting punishment and some to uh, to life eternal. So, again, where I'm going is I'm going to judgment and beyond that to an eternity of either reward or punishment based upon how I've lived my life in response to what God said in his word. And uh, Kent says, such depends on my response to God's divine revelation in his word. Where Where, where are we going? Either to heaven or hell, the choice is my personal decision. And Grant references Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Yeah, that's that long passage, but uh, that's that that Jesus picturing the judgment day scene. All right. We're up against a break. Let's get a break, and uh, we'll get to the top of the hour after this. Send in your comments in the chat room. Brian's in the chat room. Finally, Brian, you can send your doctor's note uh, to questions at collegeu.com. He needs a tardy pass. Yes, he does. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See it for yourself. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A survey showed that only 59% of Americans believe in hell as a place of eternal punishment for those who did not repent of their sins. This number decreased from 71% to 59% over a 10-year period. That information is via the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, beginning verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about worldviews, and now the practical part of our discussion tonight. Okay, so we asked, the last question we asked to our update list was, as a practical exercise... How would various worldviews affect one's decisions on things like modesty and clothes choices, marital fidelity, honesty and truth-telling, obeying civil laws? Okay, so think about this now. If, for instance, let's take the first one that we talked about, deism. Deism says there must have been a supreme creator But he just created things and set them in motion and backed away and is not involved. He has not revealed himself to us 
We don't know anything about him other than the fact that we know there must be common sense. Logic tells us there must be such a creator. Well, if you think about that, then there really aren't any rules about the clothes we wear. You know, I, I can wear anything I want or I can wear nothing at all because God hasn't told me what to wear. The naturalist who believes that everything's just nature, nature is all is, is all that there is. Well, look at nature. The animals don't wear clothes. So any clothes that I might choose to wear, that's just purely on me. Nobody can dictate that because in nature, animals don't wear clothes. Now, I might choose to wear clothes to be warm or to stay dry, but... It's really not necessary because we're just higher animals after all. Okay. Right? Yeah. So you can see how a, a naturalist viewpoint would, would do that. Uh, nihilism. Nihilism, just throw everything out. Nothing. Nothing matters. No traditionally held values are of any worth. Throw them out. Well, if you think about it, there's, there's, there's longstanding rules about modesty. You know, it's not, I mean, there are societal rules about modesty, not biblical rules necessarily, just societal rules. But if they're just societal rules, they're meaningless, they're worthless, they're good for nothing, throw them out. We'll set up a whole other system if we want to, you know, Uh, whatever, whatever we like. Uh, So you you begin to, and then existentialism, of course, is, again, it's all just about me and how I subjectively feel about it anyway. What do you like? What do you want to do? Now, if you think about that description that we've just given, you realize that there are a lot of people, when it comes to a question like modesty, there are a lot of people who unknowingly are allowing themselves to follow those false worldviews. But if I have a biblical worldview, then I want to understand modesty as God has defined it in his word. Uh, you know, sadly, I, I know a lot of Christians. I even know a lot of preachers who say, well, you can't make any. There's no absolutes when it comes to modesty. You can't draw a definitive line. You can't. Nobody can draw a line. Well, that's really a false philosophical view of moral values. The Bible does draw a line. We've we've had programs before on the Virtual Bible. We probably should do it again. But we've had programs on the Virtual Bible study talking about modesty. There are some absolutes established in the Word of God. It's not just all subjective. Right. The existentialist wants to say it's just how I feel about it. It's what I what I like, what I want to wear. And you can't tell me that I can't because you can't draw a line. No, that's not true. The yeah. Bible draws a lot. Yeah. So you see how even just something as, as simple as the, the clothes we choose to wear is impacted on by whether or not we believe the Bible or not. Okay. That's basically the question. Yeah, absolutely. What we got here of our email. Well, Kent said, uh, such is contingent upon a view of objective truth. If the New Testament is our standard of authority, such will we will uh, is if the New Testament is our standard of authority, such we will be given be governed by New Testament principles. Yeah, exactly right. All right, good. Uh, and Grant said, those who do not hold the worldview that there is one God and that He has revealed His will to us in the inspired Word of God, the Bible, have no authority to go to in order to know how to conduct themselves in areas mentioned above. So they will must rely on a false standard of authority in terms of how they conduct yeah. their lives. Because, uh, as he said, any review, any of those other worldviews, they they're really no rules. You know, I think that's the bottom line. The, the, if you don't have a biblical worldview, then your view is there are no rules. Think about that for a minute. That's really scary to live in a world with no rules. I kind of like your car. I'm just going to take your car. Yeah. And you can't tell me that that's wrong. Right. On what basis would you tell me that I'm wrong to do that? Yep. That's the scary part. Yeah. If there are no rules, life, society as we know it, civilization as we know it is impossible by those worldviews. Consistently held. 
if yeah, you're it, it, that's right. If you consistently apply those worldviews, and, I don't, and, and, and I, what I really think is what we realize is that most people sort of have a mishmash, a, 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 a blending together of a lot of those different concepts, yeah. but they're not. They're not biblically based, mm-hmm. uh, but but consistently applied. None of those worldviews we discussed would make civilization possible. Okay. All right. What about marriage fidelity? Uh, fidelity in marriage. So I'm married to this woman, but I don't. I decided I don't really even like her anymore. She, you know, the old, the old. The cliche expression, she burns the biscuits. I, I don't like the way she cooks. She burns the biscuits. Yeah. Why shouldn't I get rid of her and have a different woman? Why can't I have a different woman anytime I please? Or as many different women as I please, why not? Uh, again, do you see how devastating? And again, all of those worldviews and every one of them, in every one of them, there are no moral absolutes. All of those would be devastating to the family relationship, the yep. essential, necessary family relationship, yep. husband and wife, mother and father, children. I mean, it, it, it would be devastating. Human existence would be practically impossible without the biblical view of marriage and family. And so when the Bible tells me to be faithful to my wife, one man, one woman for life, which is God's principal rule of marriage, that's that's to our advantage. That's to our good. Our existence here depends upon that. And our lives are enriched when we follow it. But so so if I'm a existentialist, I just don't feel it anymore with this wife. I'm going to get me a different wife. Uh, Or the naturalist who says, you know, the naturalist says, you know, this wife is not really too good for childbearing anymore. And if I want to propagate my genetic line, I need a different wife who will be a better childbearer. I'll get rid of this wife. I'll get me a different wife because it's all about natural existence. You know, the animals you know, act this way. Why shouldn't I act this way? Right. So, again, you you get the idea that this is really a critical thing, this worldview. Yeah, it is. And that's what uh, Kent says. He says, if we're governed by the New Testament truth, we will view one woman for one man for life. The only exception being divorced upon the grounds of fornication extended exclusively to the innocent violated partner. So there is an absolute standard, and we have to have that absolute standard if our society is going to function like we want it to function. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, real quickly, a couple. Oh, I just had a couple more. You get the idea. I said, what? What about honesty and truth telling? Well, if I have, if I don't have a biblical worldview, then really, you can't trust what I say because what I, I'm just going to tell you what benefits me. It may not be true. Yeah. But if I see it to my advantage, I will tell you what I think is in my advantage for you to hear. Yep. There are no absolute truths anyway, so what does it matter? Yep. Do you see how the Bible uh, uh, you know, tells us not to lie? Uh, you can see how that's in our, to our advantage. And then finally, what about obeying civil laws? You know, why should I? adhere to the rules that our government establishes, those are just arbitrary. And I think we're seeing politically, we're seeing nihilism, you know, it says throw everything out, throw out all existing traditional uh, uh, societal standards and set up a whole new system. We're seeing people literally call for that. And so uh, the, the, the nihilists would say, out with the civil government, out with the laws of the land. Don't even think about enforcing those. They don't, they're not applicable to us. Yep. The Bible tells us to obey those who govern over us. Yep. And, and, our, and, and again, civilization depends upon that. Sure. And so, again, a biblical worldview, a biblical worldview is absolutely essential in every respect. 
It is, and it gives us that, that bedrock, that foundation that we can build a society on, build our fi- lives upon, build our families upon, uh, that absolute standard of God's word. And, and Kyle, it's uh, it's clear that it's the only acceptable word, worldview as we've looked at tonight. Yeah, it's for peace of mind and for a purpose, to, for fulfillment. I don't know how you can be fulfilled as believing in nothing. So it's just... I, Fulfillment and where we're going, what we're doing with our life, what's our purpose? It's fulfilled in God and serving God. So it's just we see a lot of a lot of these lists, the deism, natural denialism, all those we see them elements of these in political ideologies and movements and the world and our and home too. So it's it's some scary things we have to be prepared to push back against. When you uh, discount the Bible and throw it out as being as being led by many in the religious world today, sadly. You're left with the consequences that we've talked about tonight. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. Kyle, thanks for helping us get it out on the, on the airs tonight. And, Dad, uh, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Hope you benefited from our study discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired word the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.